everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of the Hurry and Yell podcast. I think we're on lucky number 13 now, somewhere around there. 12 or 13, I think. We missed a week. We did miss a week. So it's probably 12. Okay, well, lucky number 12 then. Um, my name is Brian. My esteemed colleague is Pat. I the intros again. Today we're drinking again uh, Black Butte Porter. Uh, it's what's left of what I got to get me through the apple cup. Ugh, the apple cup. Uh, you know, things happen. I watched the game again uh, last night. Why would you do that to yourself? Because I wanted to answer some questions I had about my initial impression of the game, which was that it was winnable. Thir- Very winnable. I have a confession to make. Third year in a row, stopped watching at halftime. Well, I stopped watching. You know me. Yeah. I watched the bitter end. I went to bed with five minutes left. Couldn't do it. Actually, no. I stopped watching when Hercules got kicked out. That wasn't even halftime. You didn't even make it to halftime. No, it was the second half. Because I he's, don't think he, so. No, he's suspended for the first half of the bowl game. Really? Yep, because it happened at like 12 minutes in the third quarter. Well, he shouldn't have done that. He shouldn't have. And I, I don't well, – he's not a dirty player. No. And um, I don't understand why he's spearing a guy. I don't like cheap shots. I don't like classless football. He came out and apologized afterwards. I know, because he's a good He's a good he, kid. He is a good kid. Speaking of classless, uh, I'm going to – so the University of Washington – is a very clean program under the current administration. They are very classy and respectful, with one exception. The DB coach, Jimmy fucking Lake. Every year before the Apple Cup, he talks up the Cougs. Every year after the Apple Cup, he uh, talks crap about them, says they don't even need to practice for it. It's the easiest week they have all year. that offense, none of it could possibly work in the NFL, which shows you how stupid he is. Uh, he's a good coach, I'll give him that. But uh, watch the New England Patriots, and you will see the entire air raid playbook. Watch any uh, Oklahoma game, you have the air raid. Watch West Virginia, TCU, Ohio State, uh, every single team in college football except for Stanford and Michigan, run some air raid stuff. So the idea that it's this ridiculous offense, that the Huskies are the only ones that know how to stop it, which is what Husky fans are talking about, that they've figured it out. Here's they the direct quote. Here's the direct quote. If you want to see what the WSU offense would look like in the NFL, go watch the Apple Cup the last four years. So... Uh, I went back and I watched the game because oh, also one thing about Jimmy Lake, you think the guy would learn some humility. His first DB coaching job, he presided over the worst season at that point, University of Washington history in 2004. In 2008, he, he was a DB coach for the worst season ever in NFL history with the Detroit Lions winless season. He promptly, after no one wanted to employ him for a year, ended up at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who had their worst stretch of football in those two years since the early 90s? Um, I don't know how this guy thinks his shit doesn't stink. I think he's the beneficiary 
of an outstanding defensive coordinator. Can you and go I away, hope please? He takes the DC job at Oregon State, so the Cougs can run up seventy points on him. Can he go? Yeah, and pr- promote Jimmy Lake to defensive coordinator. No, sorry, Mike. Jimmy Lake goes to Oregon State. Oh, yeah. I was hoping. So Kwiatkowski. I don't goes appreciate to... um, talking out both sides of your mouth. I don't appreciate bullshit. I don't wouldn't like it for my teams. I certainly don't like it for my opponents. And uh, so he's my asshole of the week, which is uh, something I just made up. I like it. I, and it's not like it's going to be tough for us to find an asshole of the week every week when it comes to sports. So we have a new sponsorship opportunity for anyone <laughs> who wants to get in on the ground floor of this podcast. Um, okay. Well, with that, we are going to go into the conference championship games a little bit. Talk about all five major conference games, who we think is going to win, a little bit of detail. We're going to start with the ACC, uh, Clemson and Miami. It was Miami's 58 to nothing loss a couple of years ago that kind of led them down the path to get Mark Richt and lead them to where they are today. Clemson beat them 58 to nothing? They did. Yep. It was an ESPN article that right after that is when they fired their coach, Al Golden, right? Uh, yeah. Right after that, they fired Al Golden, and then they brought in Richt, and the rest is history. And now they're, what, 11-1, and one, and they're going up against Clemson once again. Well, I think Clemson's going to win this game. And I don't think Clemson's going to sweat. I agree. I, I don't think it's going to be 58 to nothing. But No, I mean, of course not. But I do think Clemson's going to win this game by double digits. I feel like the win when uh, Miami sails a little bit, losing to Pittsburgh. Yeah. That's a that's a rough one to come back from. Just ask West Virginia. Um, I It's a young, I mean, I think they got a bunch of young kids, and Clemson's just seasoned. They're just tough. Yeah. I'm thinking 31-17. It'll be like that Clemson-Vatek game. I think so, too. Yeah, yeah. I Thirty-one seventeen. Miami's offense. I mean, even if Miami even gets seventeen. Yeah. Well, the Clemson, their defense has to show up. Sometimes they feel like it feels like they take plays off. So they, they, they need to bored, show up a little bit. But I don't think they're gonna be bored in this one. Well, let's hope not. So it'll be interesting to see though. So we both have Clemson in the ACC Big Twelve. As much as I love my TCU Horn Frogs, um, learned from my mistake, and I'm <laughs> picking the Sooners in this one. Um, so I went back and I watched the first matchup between these teams, which was, as I predicted, a blowout. Um, that's because I wanted to see TCU's got great. Uh, defense in the second half of games. They've given up, what, 17 points all year? Was that what you were saying? 17 in Big 12 games. In Big 12 games. Um, so I went back in to see if they made any adjustments last meeting when they gave up 38 points in the first half. Oklahoma just took their foot off the gas. Uh, Sooners are great against the Blitz. Baker Mayfield's great against the Blitz. They get the ball to running backs. And Oklahoma, you can tell... Their they their greatest teams are when they have monster offensive lines, and that offensive line is big. They're physical. They've got some power in their running game. 
and they've got studs at receiver, and they've got a great quarterback. Uh, TCU is not 24 points worse than Oklahoma. They left a lot of points out there, but in order to win, they need to play A+, and they need Oklahoma to play like a B. Yeah, I I, I completely agree. I, I think Oklahoma is going to gonna win this, and then they're going to get stopped in the uh, conference or in the uh, college football playoff. Who's going to do the stopping? Clemson or Alabama. Clemson or whoever comes out of the SEC. I think that uh, Clemson wouldn't stop them. I think Alabama would. What about Georgia or Auburn? I don't think, honestly, I don't think uh, either one of those teams should be in the playoff. I think Alabama should be in the playoff. I think they're the best team with the best resume. I think the winner of the SEC championship game is going to be in it no matter what. I think... Auburn's got two losses. Yeah, but they're also, what, number two in the playoff right now. So if they win, if they win, they will have beaten three top ten teams in the last month. I mean, yeah, Georgia twice, but still. I think that if they go out there and they beat up Georgia again, I think that I think that might invalidate the quality of those wins a little bit because maybe Georgia isn't what we thought they were. Well, maybe. Um, to be totally honest, what, what Alabama needs is Ohio State. Alabama's got to be rooting hard for Ohio State to beat Wisconsin. A little bit, little bit for TCU as well. I think that it's... Uh, it's interesting that Ohio State's trying to make the argument that they belong. No, they don't. In the playoff, you don't lose to Iowa. You don't give up fifty plus to Iowa if you're anyone. I don't care if you're Eastern Michigan. Iowa doesn't drop fifty on people. You'll, you'll lose by thirty to Iowa. Get out of here. Like, yeah. You don't. No way. And not to mention, they got blown out at home by Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, that said, they're going to blow out Wisconsin. Would absolutely love it. I, I Wisconsin, this is Wisconsin's first test, really. I mean, they're the only team that they beat that was ranked was Michigan, and Michigan was twenty fourth. And Michigan's they're, they're third string quarterback. If, like they're just, and it was a competitive game. It was, yeah, till fourth quarter. Um, they just too many turnovers. I think I think Ohio State wins this game. Doesn't matter if JT Barrett plays or not. To be honest, I think he's going to play. It sounds like it, but it doesn't matter who's playing quarterback under Urban Meyer, unless his name is John Brantley. Then you're going to struggle. I was at. I saw John Brantley play in person, and they still won that game in overtime. Uh, they got athletes. Yeah, they'll it be fine. Matter. They'll be fine. Yeah, I think. I think Georgia wins, or Georgia. I think. Uh, Ohio State wins. Wisconsin reminds me of my high school football team. Uh, played in a weak league. Just destroy everybody every year. Go into the playoffs undefeated. Play against the big... Maybe we'd win a playoff game. Maybe we'd win a playoff game. Get to that second round. You're going against the big boys. The really good programs. And you just get... You're just not good enough. Yeah, I think so. I, I'm with you. I think that Wisconsin is going to make a New Year's Six Bowl. But... I think that they're not going to make the, the, the final four. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, you go whatever they are, 11 and 1, mm-hmm. 12 and 1. Yeah, they're 12 they'd, and 0 right be, now. Oh, they're going to be 12 and 1 Saturday. Yeah. But yeah, you, you deserve a New Year's Six Bowl. I agreed. And they'll probably, they'll probably put them against the uh, whatever group of five team. 
that doesn't. Yeah, it'll be some. It'll be. It'll, it'll be, be like. It'll be kind of a slap in the face. UCF. Yeah. Well, good um, old Scott Frost. Well, Scott Frost won't be coaching in that game. Nope. He's going to Nebraska. He just as much said so. Yeah, he did. In interview because he's and he's having a hard time with it. But um, as Bear Bryant said, when he was a coach at Texas A&M and Alabama called, when Mama calls. You better come running. Yep. And Nebraska's calling, and Scott Frost is going to be running. So my boss has actually skied with Scott Frost up in Whistler. Was it a frosty winter's day? Oh, my God. So anyways, pun aside, uh, apparently when he was there, they just he would always talk about how much he loved Nebraska, how much he always wanted to go back home. It's not going to be... Family lives there. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know if I, he went to Stanford. He was Nebraska, grew up in Stanford. Bill Walsh pulled him, got him out of Nebraska, went to Stanford, played a couple years, beat UW, 38-28, if I remember correctly, goes to Nebraska, beats UW, and wins a national championship and ends up on the cover of, I believe, uh, the uh, Sega or PlayStation game, uh, College Game Day '98. Yep. Oh, wow, what a great game that, that was! Great game. It's the stadiums in that game. Yep. Uh, that's a digression, but uh, so yes, yeah, Scott Frost is going to be going to Nebraska. I've, I've been saying it for well, pretty much ever since Mike Riley lost his third game in a row. I think. That he was going to be gone and they were going to bring when, in Scott Frost. When they got destroyed by a really average Oregon team. Week two. Week two. That was it for me. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, Oregon, you could see they were, they're not any good. They're a little better when they have a quarterback. Yeah. Putting up 55 and a half of the Civil War. I mean, I know Oregon State's bad, but. Oregon State's bad. They're still going to be bad. I understand the hire they made. I do too. But it's. That's a long – it's going to take him a while to get going. Yep. Speaking of the uh, Pac-12, I think we are to the point now where uh, we're talking about that game a little bit, a rematch of also week two between USC and Stanford. And I think you have something you want to say about that, don't you? As a matter of fact, I do. I'm, the floor is yours. Uh, the – Pac-12 championship game is being played in Santa Clara, which is a tough place to get to, traffic-wise, Friday evening at 5 p.m. Um, they have like a put problem. tarps over the upper decks because no one's going to be there. Attendance for this game has always been terrible. Um Five o'clock on the East Coast on a Friday, no one's watching football. No one's watching football. So the East Coast think they're having dinner at dinner at eight o'clock on a Friday. Um, no one gives a shit, and it's it's just more Pac-12 horrible TV deals. I'm going to tell you right now the prices for tickets for the five big championship games. You've got the Big Ten championship game has seventy five dollars seats. These are the cheapest. The ACC is $110. The SEC is $46, but those are huge. It's a huge stadium, and they'll fill that up, and, you know, they'll they'll rise. Yeah. 
the Big 12, and this is a 9.30 game, our time. So still, what, 11.30 in Texas? Is it playing Dallas? Yeah. Uh, 93 bucks. And then you've got the Pac-12. No, let me guess. Let me guess. Uh, $4. 20 bucks, But it also has is over 1,500 tickets still available at 20 bucks. I think that um, – so – been watching, I mean, granted, we've been watching Pac-12 football forever. Uh, they used to have a TV deal with uh, first Prime Sports, then Fox Sports Northwest, Fox Sports Southwest, Fox Sports California. Um, all their teams played in the day. They were regional broadcasts. They had contracts with ABC and then ESPN for the occasional night game and then uh, TBS, TNT, yep. that kind of thing. Yep, I remember TBS. Um, so, for some reason... Uh, it was decided that we weren't getting enough exposure out here, even though um, at the time of the TV deal, USC was just coming down from a dynasty in which they had two Heisman winners, three national championships. Oregon was in the throes of a hell of a run where they Stanford. played in two national championship games and had one Heisman winner. Stanford had three runner-ups for Heisman. Stanford w- had three runner-ups for Heisman and I believe three Rose Bowl berths. And an orange bowl. And an orange bowl. So I'm I'm a little bit confused when you look back at those TV deals when the fans were happy, the attendance was up because games were during the day and wondering um, what how things have gotten better. Because since the playoffs started, there has been, what, one uh, Pac-12 team in the playoffs? Two. Two. Oh, Oregon and the UW. Okay. Yeah, you're right. 14 and 16. So yes. 15 and 17, there's been no Pac-12 teams. Correct. And uh, the money hasn't been nearly as good. Uh, revenues of the gate are down. And uh, they, 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 the money's been better, but it hasn't been significantly enough. And a lot of the smaller athletic departments are in the hole because they spent based on the promises they, of money they were going to get. And... Uh, so now we have unhappy fans. We haven't don't have any increased exposure, and uh, now we're getting uh, the games preempted for car races. And I, I mean, I'll watch any football. I'm not going to be home at five o'clock tomorrow. I'm not even going to make it home for, to watch that game. Nope, me either. And I'm not going to move heaven and north to watch it either. So, also. Uh, I I know they want to be want to pretend that this is a Big Ten conference, but the fans don't travel. They Neutral don't. sites don't work. Either put it in Vegas at a smaller stadium and have it be a kitschy little thing. Well, Vegas is going to have a pretty big stadium in a couple of years, so they might. Do that I anyways. still want like a forty thousand seat stadium. These would be unique, and it's Vegas. Um, college basketball does fine. Like they do, they do all right, but. It's just a disaster. You have an empty stadium with the lights turned down so you can't see all the empty seats. It's a dull environment. It's supposed to be a championship game. Have it be hosted at the home field or pick a smaller stadium. So you would uh, – yeah, I agree. I think it should be the higher-ranked team should should yeah. have. Or, I mean, in this case, if it was switched, you know, the, the team that has the head-to-head, you know. So play it, play it in the Coliseum. Would or anyone have a problem it. with that? I mean, granted, playing having a home game, uh, the Pac-12 championship used to go to the home team. Yeah. And 
a couple years in a row was at Stanford. Stanford doesn't show up for anything. They don't show up for anything. They're too busy studying on Friday that's night. The way it, that's just the way it goes. What can you do? Um, every other every other program would sell out that game. Rotate it. You know, put it one time in Seattle, one time in Northern but let's California. Say, what if it's like Arizona versus uh, Stanford in Seattle? Who's um, going to go to that game? That's a good it's point. forty. Like the weather forecast for the next three months is forty-five degrees and rainy. That's a good point. Like you think Arizona people are going to want to come up here? They went down there to get out of this. It's true. <laughs> All right, you're right. You're right. Uh, I get having it in a central location. That's why I get why they have the Pac-12 tournament at Staples Center. It's not there anymore for basketball. Right? It's in Vegas. It's in Vegas, and it's a lot better. Agreed. Oh, yeah. I would love to go, but this year I have a prior commitment. Seventh graders. Anyways. Uh, it's it's a problem. It's going to be a problem. Larry Scott, the Pac-12 commissioner, should be fired. I was really high on him when he got the Pac-12 I, network, too. I thought that... Um, also, one thing on the Pac-12 Network, uh, when my kid was very little and I was up all night, I'd have the Pac-12 Network on watching classic games. Their commercial breaks are ads for uh, that auction site. Or the Pac-12 Network. Or the Pac-12 Network. Yeah, they need a sales. They need a salesperson. I don't know what the hell they're doing, but it, it's a small-time crap. And we thought that this was going to make the Pac-12, a big conference, and it hasn't improved it at all. Yeah. If you have a great team, an undefeated or one less team, you're going to be in the playoff, just like it was before, where you'd be a national contender. Nothing has changed but just a tiny bit more money, a million dollars a year. That's all you get. So, And that's not much for the budgets, which are for a majority of the schools operating in the red. Yeah. I'd say uh, – Oh, so 25 athletic departments in the country make a profit. Maybe two of those are in the Pac-12. Yeah. We don't know about USC private school. Or Stanford. At least their funds. I know Stanford makes all the money they want because every other sport, they win national titles. That, and I'm sure they have plenty of prestigious alumni who love to donate to the athletic fund down there. Tiger Woods. Condoleezza Rice. I mean, he doesn't have to be an athlete. You know, Condoleezza Rice will donate. All right, we have one uh, championship game left to get to, and that's the SEC rematch of a game just a couple of weeks ago, won by the Auburn Tigers. And uh, I still think winner of this game is going to be in the college football playoff. So I think, I think, I don't know. I think Georgia is... This is a tough game for me to pick, actually. I, I know Auburn beat that beat Georgia up, and I know Auburn beat Alabama, but something tells me that Georgia's going to be ready to play this game. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. I think it helps that it's in Atlanta as well. Um, I, the, the question is, is, can Georgia exploit Auburn's weaknesses, of which there are not too many? Uh, especially on defense, and I just got the feeling watching the game uh, that you beat them by throwing the football down the field. Georgia wants to run the ball down your throat and run the ball down your throat until you're on the ball, uh, like writhing on the ground crying because you can't take it anymore. You can't run. You know, Alabama couldn't run on Auburn, so you can't run on Auburn. 
you can't do it. If Alabama can't do it, you can't do it. So, uh, not to, I mean, Charlie Weiss is an awful head coach, but when he was with the Patriots, back when they were a power running team, they were winning all those Super Bowls, they played Pittsburgh. Under Bill Cowher, you don't run on Pittsburgh, ever. You never would run on them. Why would you even bother to call a running play? Right. And he'd start every time they'd play him five wides and throw the first 15 plays. He'd throw the ball 40 times. And back then, 40 times is a lot. And they'd kill Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh wanted to stay in their base defense and they weren't ready for it. So unless Georgia comes out and says, fuck this, we're going to try and spread it out a little bit, I think they're not going to score more than 17 points. I think they're going to play a lot better defense. It's going to be a closer game, but I think Auburn's going to win. You think, okay. We finally have one we disagree on. Oh, by the way, USC Stanford, who you got? I'm going to go with SC. I'm going to go with SC as well. I mean, don't, that game doesn't really matter. I mean, it's the only game really that doesn't have anything to do with the college football playoff. Um, yeah, I, I think I think Georgia. I'm, I'm going to go different than you on one game, and it's going to be Georgia. Why? Why Georgia? Well, beside despite beside the fact that I don't want to go five for five with you, um, I think Georgia didn't show up to play against Auburn the first time. I think they read their own press clippings a little much, and I think they're going to be a lot hungrier. I think that defense is going to play a lot better. I think the offense is going to do just enough. I think it's going to be like a 20-17 to 17 game. How are you going to score points? Play action. Play action. I mean, because you know they're going to run the ball, so you know that they're going to yeah, they're going to try and set it up. But I, I'm not sure Auburn's even going to respect I don't think they're going to drop the extra guy down there that opens up play action because they're like, you want to run on us? Go right ahead. I don't think you guys can. That's what I think is going to happen. All right. Well, we'll see. Maybe that game we can actually I mean, watch. We're, we're usually wrong. so We're either right or we're, either we're really, really right. wrong. <laughs> yeah. I was really right about Auburn last week. You were? Good call with your prediction. Mine was not. But... I also thought the Cougs might win the Apple Cup this year. Yep. When we miss, we miss big. So I, I, I can deal with that. That is our uh, that's our college football championship game previews. Uh, we're gonna stay in the SEC. We've got uh, a little bit to talk about. That is the fight song of the Tennessee Volunteers. No, a little disclaimer, because don't know for sure when this will be up on the website. We are recording this on Thursday evening. As of now, Tennessee still doesn't have a coach. There's there's rumors breaking right now that they're going after Mike Leach, but we're going to rewind the clock to Sunday. 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 So, on Sunday... <laughs> They have a deal in place with Greg Schiano, the defensive coordinator at Ohio State. Now, Schiano led. Schiano led. Yeah, that's Bruce Feldman tweeting that uh, Leach had a meeting with Tennessee and it went really well. So things are progressing very quickly. That's as long, a concern. As long as, as far 
in that regards. But on Sunday, uh, Tennessee had a deal in place with Greg Schiano, a guy who I think is a good coach in college. I don't think he's a good NFL coach, but he led Rug- Rutgers to respectability. And I think that people forget how bad how Rutgers. I watched a documentary in the early nineties. I forget it was like one of those inside sports on HBO or something about how bad Rutgers was, and they're having trouble. They're the original football program, and they couldn't find anybody to play for them. And then you know it took him five years, and he had them number two in the country. Yeah, uh, um, I I think he's a pretty good. And a uh, NCAA coach, college football coach. I think he's been humbled a little bit. I think he's taken the hard edges off. I, I think the last week has probably humbled him even more. Um, I don't think he should be humbled by this last week. I think I think he is part of a witch hunt. I think that uh, so there apparently I didn't know this until this week. There are a few fan bases more irrational than Tennessee. Tennessee didn't like the hire of of. Uh, Shiano. So they decided to protest because they said that he was con- condoned the sex abuse at Penn State. Uh, which because of a third party source who said a that. Third party to a third party. Who said that he heard, that Shiano heard that there was some impropriety he going heard on. heard from the former defensive coordinator who's denied this. That Shiano told him that something that he saw something happen and didn't do anything about it. The NCAA wants to investigate anyone they can, and the and when it came to the Sandusky thing, they wanted to get every single one they could. Rightfully so. Absolutely right. Anyone so. who's in it, who's culpable in any way. One hundred percent agree. Yeah. They didn't even think that it was worth to bring him in to talk to him about this. Because it was all hearsay. The uh, lawsuits against Penn State, none of this was mentioned. This is a cook. This is a a uncorroborated story that Tennessee used to destroy a man's reputation and try and ruin uh, an advancement in his career. I didn't even know that he was at Penn I State until until this week. So obviously, I mean, you know. it's it's just it's bullshit. So then, um, that, so that's after ridiculous. the after the mob, basically the the Tennessee fans led by Clay Travis, who is absolutely insane. He's a radio personality down there. He used to be a national guy. Yeah, he's not anymore. But he spearheads this mob, and then I thought he didn't. I thought he was trying to tur- turn down the mob. Oh no. Okay. No, because I was reading some of his tweets today. Okay. And he is loving all of the protesting going on about this. Because he's, he, he's just an instigator. He is a, he's a huge instigator. So Tennessee fans wanted John Gruden. They've always wanted Gruden. They've always wanted John Gruden. It's a stupid pipe dream. It's like the Huskies wanted Jim Moore for a while. It's like, the, it's like Arkansas thinking they're going to be able to get Gus Malzahn. Yeah, it's just it's stupid. And they're angry about anybody that isn't this guy. That isn't John Gruden. John Gruden's not going to coach there. It's stupid. So then who do they go to after that? Who's the next one? The next one they went to was Mike Gundy. Mike Gundy. So an Oklahoma State alum who had turned him down years ago, they offered to triple his salary. Make him, I think, the second highest paid coach in the SEC. Um, He told him, him and his mullet told him to, you know. Where they can stick their pitchfork. 
Next was Jeff Brom at Purdue. Would have been a great hire. Oh, and then did you hear the dirt on this one? No, did I didn't. Hear what happened? So uh, Tennessee's athletic director offers Brom this contract. Brom says, "Great, that's a great deal." And the athletic director goes to the president and says, "We got our coach. Here's the contract. I need you to sign off on this." The president of Tennessee says, "No, I'm not. I'm not agreeing to this." Uh, offer this. And so they go back and offer him a lesser deal. And he says, go to hell. I'll stay right where I'm at. So there was that. And then they had uh, earlier today, Dave Doran, NC State. Yep. Which would have been another, like, I think he's a good coach, but an underwhelming hire for them. And he, <laughs> NC State, when NC State is, your, 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 your program is poison when NC State can keep their coach over you. Like, that's a problem. And now, then they wanted Kevin Sumlin. And that didn't go anywhere this afternoon, apparently. It just keeps getting... And now, apparently, they're trying to get Mike Leach. And it's sounding more and more likely. I'm refreshing Twitter every roughly 30 seconds, and it sounds like we've got a guy from the Spokesman Review who is very close to the program, who's tweeting about it. We've got um, other Bruce, people. So Bruce Feldman is Mike Leach's good friend. Yes, they wrote a book together, didn't and they? And they're, they're like neighbors also. We used to be neighbors. Um, <sighs> Leach at Tennessee, how do you think he does? And um, I think that in all likelihood, he does terrible. I think the fan base, um, let's say if he had the talent of Tennessee at Wazoo, he'd win the Pac-12 title every year. But everybody in the SEC has Tennessee talent or more. And uh, I think that he's going to last a couple years. He's, he's going to get fired for the first time in his life for on-field performance. I don't think he's going to get fired. I think he's just going to get sick of it and leave. I think that he's too stubborn to to leave. I think he's going to get fired. I actually still think, I still think that um, at, at Texas Tech, if you remember, he would always interview in order to get more, to get leverage over the administration. Well, the administration is in shambles right now. Athletic director. It's taken them months to find an athletic director. I believe UW, when they need an athletic director, that was fast. That was real fast. And they got a good one. Barbara Cohen is a, a good one. Jennifer Cohen. Jennifer Cohen, excuse me. Great fundraiser. Husky threw it like great. She's really good. And we're, we got no candidates. We got nothing. And so we're cut with our pants down. Like who's putting together an offer to keep them? Yeah. Can we afford it? I don't think so. Well, there's no way they can match to see this money. There's no way they could. And you know Schultz only cares about the bottom line. So – He's probably the one who's pulling the strings, making the decision I, I right now. I think that, um, right or not, I'm trying to give uh, Wazoo's president a fair shake here. Um, Leach leaves, he's going to get blamed for it. Absolutely. Uh, the AD leaves, and then Leach leaves in the same year. And money or not, that seems like there's that's a problem with the administration. Alex Grinch will get promoted. I'd be okay with it. Um, 
it definitely would change the program significantly. I think that we're, we'd take a couple steps back while he learns because he gets, I mean, one of the reasons we lose the Apple Cup every year is because he gets his pants pulled down every year. Uh, he doesn't have the cachet to bring in some of the guys at Leach County on the coaching staff, like the really seasoned good coaches. So we could be in trouble for a while. A guy is tweeting that Leach would probably help out Alex Grinch and ask Graham Harrell to come become the offensive coordinator here at WSU. I think that's bullshit. I think you're right. I think that's just conjecture and somebody trying to be uh, positive. Um, if he's leaving, he's, he's not going to give a shit. He's just going to leave. Yeah. Well, okay, let's talk about some of the other coaching hires and coaching rumors that are going on because there are some weird ones. Let's stay in the Pac-12. Let's talk about Herm Edwards at Arizona State. Now, it's not a done deal. It's done. It's it's as done as done gets okay. from what I know. Um, that's done. Thoughts? Um, it's all about who you know. That's Arizona was State's a, was it AD was, was Herman Edwards' agent when he was an NFL coach. Uh, for some reason, and I, I someone's going to need to explain this to me. Arizona State's AD thinks his assistants are good shit, like they're legit. And the only thing holding that program back was the head coach that uh, <laughs> it's who built the whole program to begin with, whose defensive scheme they're running. Uh, isn't isn't uh, it's it Bennett that uh, that uh, what am I looking at? <laughs> That's, no, no, no. So what he's saying no to is his brother. Past brother just tweeted that if Mike Leach leaves, apparently the person who has a strong interest in the WSU head coaching vacancy is none other than Rick Neuheisel. So we are getting this as you guys are, and this coaching carousel all across the country is just absolutely insane. So full disclosure, we've, we've recorded the start of this podcast, and we had to take a break so I kid had to go to bed. And in the t- that time period, uh, apparently, Wazoo's college football world has fallen in on itself. Um, so this is this is jarring. I mean, I, I'm still a little bit skeptical because there's a lot of rumors, and Twitter is not exactly a place for facts. No, it's not. But it's it's highly entertaining and it's fun to talk about. It's not fun when it's your program. But this is true. Like it was fun when we were talking about what we were going to talk about and how much of a shit show Tennessee is. Now that they are coming up to our coach and poaching him, and we might be getting Rick Neuheisel. We're not going to get Rick Neuheisel. I know we're not going to get Rick, Rick Neuheisel. Neuheisel. Is not it one Pullman winter, and he's out of here. That's true. But he's never lost in Pullman. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> so some other rumors Jimbo Fisher to Texas A&M this I saw is another thing I don't understand I saw I saw the contract details of what 10 years 10 years 75 million dollars are you kidding me it's, 10 year contract for a coach I think that um, there's got to be more going on than uh, than we and then people know at Florida State, uh, maybe he's fighting with the AD. Maybe he's fighting with the administration. 
um, it boggles my mind why he'd want to go to the SEC. Like in the ACC, you deal with Clemson. In the SEC, you got LSU, you got Alabama, you got Florida, you got Tennessee, Georgia, Georgia, South Carolina. Yeah, South, while. South Carolina is tough as hell too. Why do you? Why? Why? And Texas A&M. Texas A&M has never won anything. They won an S- a Big Twelve championship in 1998. They went eight and four. They played undefeated Kansas State. Kansas State was up 31-17, to 17, and then they, they won in overtime on a slant route down the right side of the lane. Um, I, w- I loved K-State back in the day. I was crushed by that uh, game. That's the best team they've had since they went. They beat up teams in the SWAC conference back, back in the early 90s under R.C. Slocum. Then Notre Dame would pee on them in, in the Cotton Bowl every year. Like, they're not an elite program. They don't – there's something about that. I don't know where it's academics or what the deal is. That's not an elite program. Florida State is a big-time program. They said, I feel like regardless of money, that's a step down, and it's a harder job. And they don't have any offensive linemen, but Jimbo doesn't recruit those anyway, apparently, for the last couple of years. But I just think it's a terrible move. And I know we're, we're, we're pissing on a lot of moves here. Uh, they just don't make sense. But Chip Kelly UCLA is a great move. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't want to talk about that because that's just going to make me sad. Uh, and then the the rumor is is if Jimbo does go, they are looking to get Willie Taggart, Oregon's will Oregon's coach. Um, which is like Willie is a great recruiter. Um, he has Florida ties. He has a West Coast staff that will not come with him. That's true. Those guys won't. They won't go. Jim uh, Levitt might. Jim Levitt has the Florida ties as well. He yeah, but he's he's a he's just oops. Sorry. The Tennessee fight song's haunting me now. That must mean that Leach just got the job. <laughs> um yeah, Levitt was down there for a long time, but I feel like he's he don't I don't feel like he's a southerner. I don't know. But the rest of that staff, they're mostly West Coast guys. Yeah. Um, and he's not a good coach as far as strategy and X's nose go. And uh, you need that down there or else your club is going to beat you by 50 points every year. This is true. So what, uh, are, are there any coaches that we're missing? Um, so let's see. Oh, so we talked about Nebraska. Talked about Nebraska. We talked about UCLA. You don't want to talk about Chip Kelly. No, it's just going to be sad. Why don't you want to talk it about Chip sad Kelly? Because it's a good hire. And I don't like UCLA. I didn't. I mostly don't like UCLA because of Jim Mora. Yeah, that's true. We haven't talked about Florida. Dan Mullen. That's a good hire. That is a good hire. That's a very good hire. Mississippi State then promoted their offensive coordinator. They didn't promote him. They got Penn State's offensive coordinator. Missis- oh, you're right. Mississippi promoted the interim. their interim head coach. You're right. Uh, so now that Penn State's offensive coordinator is the head coach of Mississippi State, and he's taking the running backs coach with him. To be his OC, that means that we get to see that good old fashioned dog shit James Franklin offense again, and he's just start going seven and six every year, and people are going to realize that he's just a glorified hype man. And uh, I'll feel vindicated for thinking they're crap the last couple of years. You have, you have thought that they're uh, an eight and four team that somehow wins ten eleven games. Well. Yeah, Saquon Barkley's gone though, so 
Let's see. And what they, you know, the thing I do like about them is that they always seem to have Italian guys. Yes, and it's usually their kicker, or their quarterback. Yeah, or you know, a, a, a linebacker here or there. Yeah, a white linebacker who makes all the tackles. So I think that's all for football. Yeah, I did have one topic I want to address. It is early. Well, it's December first tomorrow, which means that it is company holiday party season. Uh, this is an event with many trials and tribulations, many pitfalls for your average employee. So we're here to help. Yes, we are. From our own mistakes and, uh, you know, things we've seen over the years. Based mostly, on- mostly I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of crazy shit. Yeah, basically tri- trial and error. So the number one rule is never, ever, ever go to the after party. Ever. I don't care where it is, how cool the place is, who tells you they're going to pick up the tab. Never go to the after party. Been burned? Um, at a company I worked for, uh, one year, the after party erupted into a catfight between uh, a man's wife and the co-worker whom he was cheating on, cheating with. That was one year. The next year, there was a brawl that spilled out into the streets between a co- bunch of people and then boyfriends of other co-workers. And then um, just as far as an alcohol intake thing. That would be the biggest issue for me. I've gone to the after party once, and there was no fighting, but I definitely had a worse, much worse hangover the it's, next day. But there's not, nothing good. So first of all, nothing good happens after midnight. Second of all... You just quoted How I Met Your Mother. How does that make you feel? Um, it was unintentional, and I should take a shower. Um, nothing good happens after midnight. Don't take shots. Don't take shots, especially at the after party if you go. Uh, the last great hangover I've had was last year at a holiday party. I went to two holiday parties in one night. Jello shots, followed by shots, followed by more shots, followed by old fashions, followed by pool, and followed by no food. Holiday party was on a Tuesday for me last year, so. That's not a holiday party. If it happens in the office or if it's during the middle of the week, it's not a holiday party. This one, the one this year is Saturday night at a country club. But I have to coach at nine the next morning. You also have a date. Not only do I have a date. But I have a place to crash about a quarter mile from the venue. So you had a couple things going here, pulling you in different directions. You have coaching. You have the I should be on my best behavior because I don't want to be an ass or a drunken buffoon. Um, I'm sure there'll be bushes for you to fall in if you get too drunk. And then you've got a place to crash close by. The, The problem is, and this is rule number two. The post party was rule one. Rule number two, if you pre-funk, be very, very careful. Drink lots of water. Make sure you stay hydrated at the pre-funk because you will forget to drink water at the party itself. The only reason that you should be pre-funking is if you're planning an early exit. See, and that's why I'm – or, again, if you're – 
staying a quarter mile away from the venue and you can get there a couple hours early. And pre-funking, it should be one drink, maybe two. If you show up drunk, it's a disaster. You'll probably lose your job. That's rule three is don't show up. (laughs) That should be rule one. That's rule three because I have done that once at a Christmas party. I've done it. I've done it. And it was not, it was not good because you can't, you can't not drink at a Christmas party. And so if you're already at a decent level, you're going to fall off the edge pretty quick. Does yours have an open bar? I would assume so. Okay. Uh, There is dinner that's being served. So that's Is it plated or? It is. It's plated because we were. How many people are in your office? 20. Okay. And there's there significant okay, yeah. others. We're, we're, so there, there yeah. would probably I've, be about I've, 50 people there. Yeah, I've been at one. That's about 40 to 50 people. Plated dinner. Yep, because we were open asking bar. about food options. There. I didn't even realize it was an open bar. That's probably a good thing for you, huh? Uh, I went up there and I was like, oh, I'm going to get one drink. Because you have wine with dinner and everything. Yep. And then I went up to the bar and I'm like, I just need like a old-fashioned or something. And then I like, hand out my card. He goes, like, put that away. And so naturally, I got drunk, and I was hungover the next day while driving to Leavenworth. Uh, different story. Um, <laughs> so rule number one is no after party. Rule number two... Don't pre-funk, or if you do, be careful. Don't be easy with the pre-funk. Number three, don't show up drunk. Yes. Number four, no shots. Here's where the only time it is okay is if it is a group of more than six people and everyone is taking the shot and your boss says it's time to take shots. Okay. All right. Unless there is uh, executive pressure. Yes. Don't take shots. Yes. Executive pressure trumps that. But for the most part, yes, don't take shots. Rule number five. If you're going to drink, don't mix drinks too much. It's if you're, tempting. It's it tempting. is. It is. Yeah. If you're going to drink beer, stick with beer all the way through. You can have wine at dinner. That's fine. If you're going to drink beer, stick with beer all the way through. Don't switch from beer to liquor to beer to liquor. This is a mistake that I have made, not just at a Christmas party, but many times over. If you're going to – okay, so if you're drinking beer the whole time, though, it is okay to have a nightcap with just a touch of bourbon or scotch. You can end one. You can have you one at the end. Keep drinking afterwards. Yes, that's your that's your basically brushing your teeth. You're What's done that, after. Is rule number six. Is yes. that where we're at? Do not interact with upper management unless it's within the first hour of the party, or unless they come to you. Yes, because obviously, if they come to you, you don't have a choice. If you interact with them, all stories need to be under 45 seconds. Don't reveal anything personal about yourself and make sure you ask them questions. Yes. Uh, The worst thing you can do is drunkenly uh, babble to an executive when they're not drunk. Uh, Chances are they're going to be drunk, but since they're rich, they can hold their liquor better than you because they're drunk all the time. President of my company does not drink. So for you especially. Because I'm a talker. Watch it. Yes. That's why I'm very glad I'm bringing someone. She can keep keep an eye on me. The signal. Yes. Pull the ear. The, the head tap. 
tap the, tap the head or pull the ear. That's the that's the wedding one we've been using for years. Yep. Um, yeah. So what? Seven rules. That was seven. That's all I've got. You know, rule number eight, and it's something that you you probably don't do, but it's just just to be safe. If you bring a date, introduce her to people. Oh yeah. Don't make okay. me feel left out. This this is a classic one. Um, so your date is being introduced to people that you spend more time with than you do with your date. So you have all of these inside jokes, all these stories and all these things you have with these people that she doesn't under, or he doesn't understand at all. Yes. It's easy to fall in the thing, especially when you're feeling a little bit tight to uh, just to kind of roll through your jokes and just get going and everything. And then your date feels left out. That's a problem. Yes. You don't want to deal with that. Because they're going to be the ones that you need to get you French fries and a milkshake at Jack in the Box when you're drunk and have the munchies. And they're probably not going to drink as much as you because they don't, they're not as comfortable because they don't know everyone. Absolutely. So introduce them and include them in conversation. It's vital. It also, uh, people meet your spouse or your girlfriend or your boyfriend, they know that somebody can stand you which is important, especially if upper management meets them, that know, okay, well, this guy, he's, he's all right. He's got somebody. I think my boss said that verbatim. When I told him I was bringing someone, he's like, oh, that's good. Someone can stand you. Exactly. It's an indicator to management that you have your shit together. Yes. That, and to be totally honest, that is probably the rule we should end on. Because yeah. it is, it is the golden rule. It, it is, is the vital. golden rule of Christmas parties: is do not forget to include your significant other. Um, other than that, I have just one quick piece oh, yeah. to say. I, I on, kind of, no, yeah. that's fine. Just one quick piece. It's only going to take probably a minute or so uh, on the Phil Knight Invitational. First of all, well done, Portland. I rag on the city of Portland a lot. Rightfully so. Rightfully so, but they did a fantastic job. Sixteen teams, two venues, eight game, eight. Sorry, eight teams a bracket. That's what I was trying to say. So eight teams a bracket, how many brackets? There were two. So there were sixteen teams. Each team played three games. So there were twenty-four games that were played. Well done by by the city of Portland, and the games were fantastic. You had the double overtime classic game between Gonzaga and Florida. You had an overtime game between Duke and Texas. You had a great comeback by Duke in in the championship game against Florida. You had Michigan State waxing North Carolina, holding North Carolina to the lowest field goal percentage in team history. Really? Yes. They only scored 45 points. North Carolina. Is Roy Williams still coaching? Yes. I don't think Roy Williams has ever been held to 45 points. Right. He scores in the 70s and the 80s, even when he loses. Yep. They, they won tonight. They scored, I think, 81 tonight in playing Michigan for the first time since the Chris Webber timeout. That boggles my mind that they haven't played in 25 years. 
Uh, aside from the next year when Michigan went to the Elite Eight, they were largely irrelevant for the next 20 years. Yeah, but even, they've had the Big Ten ACC Challenge for how long? Is, ran, they, they didn't yeah, get set up? I mean, yeah. and, you know, Michigan's made tournaments the last probably four yeah, or five Michigan's years. Yeah, good now, but so, they, they, they used to be nothing. It's just it's surprising to me that they – or, you know, non-conference games. I mean, or t- mid-early season tournaments. You know, every team, it seems like, is playing in one nowadays. Maui Invitational or something like that. It's surprising to me that they never did. Yeah. But um, North Carolina, yeah, they, they did not look good against Michigan State. Michigan State probably is – the second best team in the country right now. Duke is probably the best team in the country right now. Uh, that freshman is so good. Marvin Bagley. He is so good. He, he averaged, I think 30 points and 14 rebounds in the three games of the, the Phil Knight invitational. And he makes it look easy. Basketball just comes easy to him. He will be the number one pick in the NBA draft. This is a Duke guy. This is a Duke. Yeah, Marvin Bagley. He will be the number one guy, uh, with especially with Michael Porter being out for the season. He's going to be the number one guy. It's top four are probably going to be Michael Porter, Marvin Bagley, DeAndre Ayton from Arizona. You think Michael Porter is going to declare to go pro, having not played at all. Yeah, I think he is. I think because I think he would have done it this year if he could. And then number four is going to be the seven-foot freshman from Texas, Muhammad Bamba, I think is his name. Sounds like a Richie Valens song, but I think those are going to be the guys that go one through four in the NBA draft. So, But good on you, Portland. It sounds like a hell of a tournament. Uh, college basketball. We, uh, well, Brian, uh, kind of went on a tangent a few episodes ago about the Washington State Cougars, who are undefeated. And they have three good wins against St. Joe's, St. Mary's, and San Diego State. We'll see how good those wins are by the end of the year. Uh, But those are good programs. And maybe we – I thought Kent had them trending in the right direction. I was a little bit more bullish on them, but I still think he should. Be, we need a better coach. But maybe we were wrong. Maybe. By the way, I am throwing my name in the hat to be the next athletic director of Washington State University. I'm going to be filling out my application, and who knows? Maybe this will be our last podcast because I'll be in Pullman this time next week. Um, well, I can almost guarantee that you probably would have raised Mike Leach's buyout on his contract. Oh, yeah. $2 million? Are you kidding me? Is that all it is? Yeah. It's $2 million. Yeah. It's $2 million. That's what I read. Yeah. That's not even one year. I know. I'm going to have to double check, but I'm pretty sure it's something ridiculous like that. he's going. (laughs) No, maybe it's not. Maybe it is more. But It has to be more than that. He's got a five-year contract. Mike Leach, $5 million. That's still not that much. That's still, yeah. But what they paid, Bielema got 11 from Arkansas. Kevin Sumlin got 10. (laughs) Oh, so you know what this means, though, if Leach leaves, is we get to go through the whole man. Kevin Sumlin, he was a GA here. Yep. He should come back to Wazoo. There's no way. There's no way Kevin Sumlin is going to be coaching Wazoo. We're going back down in the sewer with promoted assistants if this happens, and we're going to be mediocre. 
for a long time. At least that way, maybe we'll start getting more 2 o'clock games. That's true. Probably not any night games anymore. But Damn it. Um, I'm going to end. We're going to end the podcast on a, a funny tweet from a writer who's actually writes for the Cougs who says, the buzz is the Huskies are making a last-ditch effort to supplement Mike Leach's pay package to keep him in Pullman. John Blanchett. John Blanchett. He is an ass. He, I don't like him. He is. So, uh, who knows what will happen by this time next week. I actually, next week, on the 9th, I, that's my uh, that's my wife's holiday party. That, the ninth is my holiday party as well. But so. we're recording. Don't forget, we're recording this podcast earlier in the week because I'm going to be in Sacramento on Thursday. Oh yeah, that's right. So who knows what will happen by Monday or Tuesday? I'm going to record this. Hopefully, the Cougars still have Mike Leach as head coach, and maybe one of our predictions. Uh, we, maybe we'll get one of these championship games right. Yep. All right. Happy watching, everyone. Uh, Happy holidays. If your holiday party is this week, enjoy, but don't have too much fun and always include your significant (laughs) other. Have a good one.